You're listening to Comedy Central. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. In the 90s, New York detective Louis Scarcella locked up the worst criminals. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Scarcella took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis Scarcella finally tells his story. And so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live from Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah presents Vogasm 2020, the speechment after the impeachment. State of the Union show. That's right, we are live, baby. And if you don't believe me, I'll show you right now on this app that the Democratic Party made. It says here it is now 2, 2 p.m. on Saturday. Okay. Anyway, we are live. You'll just have to believe me. And less than an hour ago, President Trump finished his third State of the Union address. Now, the State of the Union has been going on for hundreds of years. I know that. But, but when you take a step back, you have to admit, it's kind of weird as a tradition. Right? Because why does the president get to give his own job evaluation? That's strange. (laughs) Nobody else gets to do that. He's just up there like, my economy, the best ever. My military, the best ever. My children, eh, D plus. (laughs) Eric, Eric, you're holding us down. But this year's State of the Union was extra weird because in case you forgot, it's happening right in the middle of Trump's impeachment, right? (laughs) So for months, Democrats have been saying that Trump is a threat to democracy and a danger to the Republic, but now they just have to sit there and clap while he gives a speech. (laughs) That is wild. It's like two different, it's it's like you're in the middle of firing someone who's belligerent at work, but then you get interrupted by their birthday party. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like, you were caught stealing, Jake. You're always late. You're a scab. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Now, not everyone, not everyone was willing to deal with tonight's awkwardness. At least 10 Democrats decided that they were gonna boycott the speech, including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, right? (laughs) Who tweeted, who tweeted, and I love this. She was like, none of this is normal and I will not legitimize it, which makes sense. And I'm totally gonna use that excuse to get out of any plans (laughs) in the future. I'm just gonna be like, it is not normal to throw a gender reveal party. I will not legitimize it. (laughs) But for those who did show up, they got to witness a very awkward start to the State of the Union, where Nancy Pelosi tried to shake Trump's hand, but he was having none of it. (laughs) Ooh. 
That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Now look, either Trump didn't see Pelosi's hand or he just didn't want to shake it. But honestly, I think it was probably for the best. Yeah, because she's wearing a white suit. Yeah, and then she'd have nowhere to wipe off the chicken grease that's always on the president's hands. <laughs> that combined with spray tan, it doesn't come out. <laughs> but awkward handshake aside, Trump was focused tonight and he dove right into his greatest hits. I am thrilled to report to you tonight that our economy is the best it has ever been. Our families are flourishing. Our values are renewed. Our pride is restored. The state of our union is stronger than ever before. old black people's faces, they always tell the truth. Always tell the truth. Because you can tell Congressman James Clyburn over here did not agree with that one. Like, look at that. That's the face of every old timer in the barbershop when someone says any basketball player is better than Jordan. Just like, come on, man. He got six rings and he beat the monsters. Come on, man. <laughs> now, traditionally, traditionally, the State of the Union is more about what the president has done and what he plans to do. But tonight, Trump took a lot of time out of his speech to show off his player-hating degree. If we hadn't reversed the failed economic policies of the previous administration, the world would not now be witnessing this great economic success. My administration reversed the failing policies of the previous administration on Cuba. Under the last administration, more than 10 million people were added to the food stamp rolls. In eight years under the last administration, over 300,000 working-age people dropped out of the workforce. Come on, really? It's been three years since Obama's been out of the White House, but still, Trump is obsessed with him. He says, after, I wonder if he does this with Melania, too, you know? Just like, remember your ex, Ivan? <laughs> well, guess what? He still works at Slovenian Foot Locker. <laughs> and I bet he never got you your own bedroom to sleep in. <laughs> and you may remember, you may remember, last year, Trump took a lot of flack for delivering a State of the Union address during Black History Month and barely mentioning black people. But this year, the Commander-in-Chief rode in on the Soul Train. African-American youth unemployment has reached an all-time low. African-American poverty has declined to the lowest rate ever recorded. We achieved record and permanent funding for our nation's historically black colleges and universities. Opportunity Zones, a plan spearheaded by Senator Tim Scott as part of our great Republican tax cuts. Opportunity Zones are helping Americans like Army veteran Tony Rankins. A few weeks ago, I signed a bill promoting Charles McGee to Brigadier General. Thank you, sir. Damn, Donald Trump made sure that this time his speech was a lot more black. Yeah. Although I do think he went too far when he delivered the rest of the speech in a do-rag. That was a bit extreme. <laughs> was a bit extreme. <laughs> now, of course... <laughs> now, of course, no Trump speech would be complete without an absolute blatant lie. And for tonight's address, 
Trump went with an old classic, and that is that he's the champion of healthcare. I've also made an ironclad pledge to American families. We will always protect patients with pre-existing conditions. Really? That lie is so extreme that if Trump was Pinocchio, he would have impaled Mitch McConnell in his seat. <laughs> Just stabbed him right in the chest. Mar, joke's on you, I'm all skin. Mar. <laughs> because, because here's the truth, here's the truth, right? Trump tried to kill protections for pre-existing conditions when he went after Obamacare. And right now, right now, his administration is in court trying to kill it again. So him claiming to be the champion of protecting pre-existing conditions is like the coronavirus being like, I love Chinese people, I really do, I really do. <laughs> but if there was one theme for tonight's State of the Union, it was Trump doing what he does best, creating a show made for TV. I can proudly announce tonight that an opportunity scholarship has become available. It's going to you, and you will soon be heading to the school of your choice. And Rush, in recognition of all that you have done for our nation, I am proud to announce tonight that you will be receiving our country's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Tonight, we have a very special surprise. I am thrilled to inform you that your husband is back from deployment. He is here with us tonight, and we couldn't keep him waiting any longer. Okay, he might not be a great president, but you have to admit, this man knows how to put on a show. Because the entire night, he just kept announcing surprise after surprise after surprise. Like, I thought by the end of the night, he was gonna go, believe it or not, folks, I've locked up Hillary Clinton. Bring out the cage. <laughs> Bring out the cage, Jeffrey Epstein. That's right, folks, surprise, surprise. <laughs> so, that was the final State of the Union of Trump's first term. And judging by the 212 standing ovations on the Republican side, they're loving their guy. But as for the Democrats, I think uh, Nancy Pelosi's actions speak louder than words. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you very much. She did. Stunning moment here at the uh, end of the president's speech. Nancy Pelosi tearing up what appeared to be a copy of the president's speech. Wow. Holy shit! <laughs> Nancy Pelosi has done it again. I feel like every year she finds a new way to show Trump just how little she thinks of him in his speech. Because last year, you remember, was the sideways clap? You remember that? Yeah? And then this year, she rips up his speech. Trump better pray he doesn't get another State of the Union because at this rate, next time she's just gonna show up and throw vegetables at him during the speech. Be like, no, please, no vegetables, no. I'd rather be re-impeached. Now, on a normal night, the State of the Union would be the major news. But right now, and here's something you only hear every four years, everyone is talking about Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> because last night was the Iowa caucuses. Right? The first vote of the Democratic primary campaign. And normally, we would know by now who'd won. In fact, normally we would have known last night. But this year, Democrats decided to use a new app to help count the votes. And uh, it has not gone as planned. The only results from the Iowa caucus at this hour are chaos and confusion. 
Chaos, confusion, meltdown. Pick your adjective to describe Iowa caucuses. What a mess. This is not the finish that anyone expected. It certainly was a mess, and some here are calling it a disaster. Organizers in the state cite a domino effect of problems for the delay. Several issues with the new app where results were to be inputted. They had a, a really crummy app that... Uh, screwed up the entire thing. Right now, no idea when we are going to know the results. So everyone really is just waiting for these official results. So we wait, and at the moment we have nothing. <laughs> you, know, you know what I love about cable news in America, right? Is their dedication to filling airtime with absolutely nothing, right? Because they're like, we're not getting any results. Uh, nothing is happening. It's like, okay, do you guys want to cover the coronavirus or some other international news in the meantime? It's like, no, no, we'll just keep talking about how nothing is happening. <laughs> Anything yet? No, nothing. More nothing. Okay. Uh, 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 more nothing. Yeah. But yes, the app that the Democrats commissioned to make vote counting easier ended up malfunctioning and screwing up the entire night. And I guess, what do you expect? I mean, the average age of the party leadership is like 85 years old, right? <laughs> what do they know about apps? The only thing they know about apps is that you get one for free with the early bird special. That's it. <laughs> and honestly, it's a little embarrassing for the world's greatest democracy to have such a hard time counting votes. I mean, America is usually the one teaching the rest of the world how to vote. But maybe next time, Africa should send some election observers to Iowa. That's what they should do. They'd be like, ah, I can fix this for you, huh? Yeah, we've been fixing elections for many years. Don't worry. <laughs> so, so because of this app, the whole night was thrown into utter chaos. Nobody knew what the problem was. Nobody knew who won. And eventually the candidates got tired of waiting. And they came out to try and spin the non-results in the best way they could. Oh, we're happy, things are great, this is gonna be good for us. But one candidate in particular took that to the next level. So we're still waiting for any results from last night's Iowa Democratic caucuses, but that hasn't stopped candidates from spinning the non-existent results. Former mayor of South Bend, Pete Buttigieg, declared victory overnight, listen. We know by the time it's all said and done, Iowa, you have shocked the nation. By all indications, we are going on to New Hampshire victorious. <laughs> oh, okay, Pete. You're just gonna come out and claim victory even though no results were in at that point? That's a pretty bold move. I mean, maybe that's just his thing. Maybe Pete does that. Anytime anything's ambiguous, no one knows, he just jumps in. You know, like, now, Nobody knows who built Stonehenge. He's like, oh, it was me. It was me. I did it. <laughs> I did it. So the whole night was chaos. And what's interesting, what's really interesting, is that even before last night's meltdown, people were worried about relying on this app, right? But the head of Iowa's Democratic Party was like, don't worry, baby. We got this. The day before the caucus, we asked state party chairman Troy Price if he had any fear about tech glitches or other problems. Do you have a nightmare scenario? And if so, what do you do about it? <laughs> these are probably the most prepared we've ever been as a party for these caucuses. Like, we've run through a few different scenarios, but I can tell you we're ready. This is the most prepared you've ever been as a party. So what would have happened if you didn't prepare? Bad news, everyone. The app automatically changed all of the votes to the Geico lizard. Uh, so he's our nominee now. Now, even, even though last night was a disaster, honestly, 
the caucus system wasn't that great even before the app meltdown. It's a crazy, crazy system. Because in the Iowa caucus, you don't just come in and vote. It's a whole complicated system where you spend hours walking around and building coalitions in a hot gym. You know, it's like a high school dance without the possibility of a hand job. <laughs> and, and apparently when there's a tie, that's when the rules get really dumb. There's 11 delegates to split up and you can't split them in half, so the fairest way to decide is a coin toss. She's gonna call heads or tails. Okay. Tails. When you're watching me. And then flip it over. <laughs> heads. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's bad enough to break ties with a coin flip, but it looked like this guy didn't even know how to do a coin flip. You, the, you can't have people that young flipping coins. They don't use real money anymore. We're lucky he didn't open the Venmo on his phone and just throw it up in the air. What, what was that? So the Iowa caucuses were a mess, and it never would have happened if the Democrats didn't try to rely on that new fancy app. Luckily, though, luckily, there's another hot new solution that just came out of Silicon Valley that can fix voting forever. Introducing the latest in voting technology. Thousands of years in the making. Meet paper, the newest innovation in counting ballots. It's only half a millimeter thin, fits in your pocket, and holds its charge forever. Paper has a user-friendly interface for election officials of any age with cutting-edge technology. Really cutting edge. Ah! Available in both mini and pro models. Best of all, it's hacker-proof and always beats rock. Paper, why complicate things? I can't wait for the future. We'll be right back. In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of shit. Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And the was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We got to show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go f*** themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. 
Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to The Daily Show. President Trump. President Trump wasn't the only person giving a speech tonight. After he finished his State of the Union, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer gave the Democrats' response speech in English, Texas Representative uh, Veronica Escobar gave the Democrats' response in Spanish, and then Beto O'Rourke gave the speech in Spanish again, but much worse. (laughs) And as you know, we here at The Daily Show have our own annual response, where we cover the issues that are of special importance to black America. So please rise, but not really. You can just clap as Roy Wood Jr. delivers The Daily Show's annual State of the Black Shit address. Good evening, black people, African-Americans, people of color, and really tan Italian people. I'm Roy Wood Jr., and I'm coming to you from one of America's blackest places, a Popeyes in St. Louis owned by Cedric the Entertainer. Tonight, we black people are gathered here to once again ask ourselves the question, where we is? (laughs) Now, we can't deny we had some setbacks in 2019. Let's start with this presidential race. All of our black candidates are gone. Kamala, gone. Corey, gone. Deval Patrick, come on, he basically ain't. (laughs) Right now, the blackest person in the race is Andrew Yang, and no, And no, he is not related to the yin-yang twins. (laughs) I made that same mistake. But by campaigning on giving all Americans $1,000 a month, Yang is doing one of the blackest things, (laughs) promising to hook everybody up before he even got the damn job. (laughs) Y'all know how we do. That is how we do. One time I applied for a job at Best Buy, Buy, I texted half of Birmingham. I was like, hey, who want a Blu-ray of Frozen? It's on me. (laughs) Now, of course, one of black America's biggest setbacks happened at the beginning of 2019. The infamous case of Justice Molette. What the hell was that boy doing? I don't know, it was more messed up. A black man faking a hate crime or the fact that he went out at 2 a.m. to go eat at Subway. (laughs) Justin, you're black. Make yourself a syrup sandwich and go back to bed. But, but 2019 wasn't all bad. As usual, black excellence overflowed in the world of entertainment. Tyler Perry opened one of the largest movie studios in the country. Spike Lee won his first Oscar. Billy Porter won an Emmy and every red carpet he walked on. And of course, and of course, Lil Nas X. That boy made the biggest country hit of the year. That's right, we finally got one. We got us a country hit. This this must be how white people felt when Vanilla Ice came out. (laughs) And... Let's also not forget about Lizzo. She sang, she rapped, she twerked, and she did the unthinkable. She made playing the flute black as hell. That's how good Lizzo is. Lizzo can turn any white thing into a black thing. I bet you on her next album, she's just gonna be speaking to a manager at The Gap. (laughs) In sports, 
In sports, we celebrate Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes, whose last-minute comeback propelled him to victory against the San Francisco 49ers. And yes, I know everybody keep reminding you that Patrick Mahomes is half white, but it must have been his black side that won the game because it showed up late in the fourth quarter. We also... We also congratulate sister Meghan Markle, who made history by telling the royal family to shove that crown up their ass. We say thank you. We say thank you to Miss Markle. America is now 2-0 versus the British Empire. That's what you get. That's what you get for that stamp act, bitches. And we stole Idris Elba. This brings me to the future of black shit and what's in store for us in the year 2020. This year, we're gonna be supporting black businesses, cheering on Sister Simone Biles at the Olympics, and going to political rallies in record numbers to support our candidates, but mostly just to see if Obama show up, because we miss him. (laughs) So black citizens, when you ask the question, where we is, I stand here to say to you all, the state of black shit is woo, goddamn. God bless you all, God bless black people, and God bless the series finale of Power on Stars. I gotta go, my sandwich is ready. Good night. What would you and everybody for the right black? In the 1980s and 90s, New York City needed a tough cop like Detective Louis Scarcella putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it in the world. He was the guy who made sure the worst killers were brought to justice. That's one version. This guy is a piece of Derek Hamilton was put away from murder by Detective Scarcella. In prison, Derek turned himself into the best jailhouse lawyer of his generation. And law was my girlfriend. This is my only way to freedom. Derek and other convicted murderers started a law firm behind bars. We never knew we had the same cop in the case. Scarcella. We gotta show that he's a corrupt cop. They can go themselves. I'm Steve Fishman. And I'm Dax Devlin-Ross. And this is The Burden. Listen to new episodes of The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And to hear episodes one week early and ad-free with exclusive bonus content, subscribe to True Crime Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is an author, an LGBTQ advocate, and host of the public affairs show, Firing Line, with Margaret Hoover on PBS. Please welcome Margaret Hoover. Welcome to the show. 
So let's jump into it from a perspective that I think is really unique. Uh, you have often referred to yourself as a Republican in exile. You know, as somebody who said you're not happy with where the Republican Party has gone, you feel like it has become hyperpartisan. people are afraid to stand up to the president. State of the Union is always interesting mm. because the president says things that some people like, some people don't like, and there are moments when everybody stands. So as a Republican who's not a complete fan of Donald Trump, what did you like from tonight? I loved his shout out to the legitimate president of Venezuela, Juan Guaido. Right. He absolutely deserved it. By the way, Democrats applauded that moment. They did. Nancy Pelosi stood up. They, everyone was happy in that moment. That was a wonderful moment. Uh, it was a wonderful moment to see a family reunification, a soldier plucked from Afghanistan and reunited with his son and his daughter. It was one that was quite emotional for me, but I was also quite angered by it as well because this man, I, I always think of John McCain, right? The man who served five years in a prison cell the size of this table, who couldn't shake your hand like a normal, regular handshake, mm -hmm. whose son was on the front lines in, in, in Iraq when he was advocating for the surge strategy, running for president, and right. he wouldn't even mention him. Right. This man, the president of the United States, has never served a day in his life, nor has anybody in his family, and he is using the bravest and the most heroic among us as props in his political campaign. And so it was a mixed State of the Union. It, 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 it seems like Trump did a good job of using people, though, as props. I mean, some would argue most politicians do that. Some would argue that's what the State of the Union is about. But tonight, seemed, it seemed like he was really good at going, hey, I know what you think about me, but I'm going to place these moments throughout the show to present an image. This is the star of The Apprentice. This is the game show State of the Union. There was a car for every special interest group in the conservative movement. Right. And by the way, some of these ideas I like. I like the idea that an African-American girl from an inner city neighborhood gets to go to a school of her choice. Mm -hmm. I'm for that, right? But I am not for the way this president carelessly flaunts this. Every story, every car giveaway right. was a story about his greatness. It wasn't about the greatness of the ideas or the people or, or anything beyond his own next election. And that is a departure from both Democrats and Republicans right. since State of the Union's in the past. Many have said that. Many have said the key difference between Trump and previous presidents is State of the Union has normally been about what the country has achieved and what the vision for the country would be from the eyes of the president. Trump has gone mine my economy, my administration, my military. He has made it about him, and some would argue that's because the Republican Party has now become his. The party of Lincoln is acting like a subsidiary of Trump, Inc., and that's what you saw tonight. Wow, that's deep. Let me ask you this, then, going forward. Tonight was one of those nights where people are now going to base their punditry about the president's performance on a speech and on a moment. How close do you think the speech was to what Trump actually does? Because, I mean, these, these are words, and Trump is very good at reading on occasion. He's gotten better over the last few years. <laughs> I've said this, I give him his props. His reading has gotten a lot better, <laughs> right? But, but when you watch that speech, how much of it did you think, oh, no, this, this, is not, this is not completely what Trump is about. This is just words. Like, did you feel like he's about unifying the country? Did you feel that he's about everybody moving forward? Did you feel like that, or did you feel like it was pageantry? I mean... <laughs> To a certain extent, all of these are pageantry, right? He, he tipped his hat to people of color and had more people of color in the gallery that yes. he was, than he does in his own cabinet, okay? So there, there is a disparity That's between true. the words and the, and the truth, right. okay? And, there's, and all the fact checkers were running on Twitter. I mean, you could have just gone dizzy watching all the fact checkers right. on Twitter. So if you're asking how true is what he says, I mean, I think we all know he has a problem with the truth. He has a problem with veracity. Yes. 
there, there are a lot of half-truths which he'll use to his own political advantage. I mean, he is going to try to nibble away at African-Americans who don't vote for Republicans, and mm -hmm. he might have a degree of success with that. He might. Let me ask you this. With Republicans who have distanced themselves from Donald Trump, but are in a place where many say, look, I don't like Trump, but I like his economic policies. I don't like Trump, but there is no viable alternative candidate. You speak to those Republicans. You, you often speak for them in many ways. When you look at Donald Trump, when you look at the State of the U Union, when you look at the future, do you see a viable world where Republicans don't vote for him, or do you think it's, it's all gung-ho for Donald no, Trump? No, the party, the Republican Party now is the, is the party of Trump. And by the way, most Republicans don't like all the things I don't like, but they do exactly what you just said. The economy is strong. Wages are down. Unemployment, wages are up. Right. Unemployment is down. Right. Uh, Wait, Some people's not. wages have, are stagnant, maybe, yes, but yes, I hear what but, you're saying. But, uh, but, right, so th right. there is this economic argument, and there are all these arguments, and even Mayor Bloomberg says he's going to be very difficult to run against because mm -hmm. some of the things that, you know, all of us sort of reasonable folks who approach policy in a reasonable way right. like some of the things that he's done. I mean, that was Mayor Bloomberg, right? right. So this is, this is not going to be a layup. I mean, I, I, I do believe, we don't know if there's any viable opponent, right? We've just got a non-viable, we still don't even know. There is no opponent, actually. We don't even know if <laughs> no there is an opponent. opponent. Yes. Um, but President Trump isn't trying to unify the country. He's trying to divide and conquer, and he has an elect his winning strategy is about winning the Electoral College. Remember, he won by 78,000 votes in mm -hmm. three states. <laughs> Hard to forget. But he's not trying to, he's not doing the second time of Reagan or right. Nixon. He's not going for a 50-state strategy. He's just going for 270. And so what's on all of us, I think, is to recognize that we want the country to be better, that we don't want our politics to be permanently damaged by the tone and tenor of this presidency, and that unlike Nancy Pelosi ripping up the speech, we want to try to do better, respect our politics, and hold our politics to a higher standard so that we can return to a degree of normalcy and respect and humility in our politics. Those are hopeful words, but I don't think Trump will allow that. Thank you so much for being on the show. <laughs> Wonderful having you here. Firing line, as nationally, across TBS. Margaret Hoover, everybody. Thank you. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. In the 90s, New York detective Louis Scarcella locked up the worst criminals. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Scarcella took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now, in the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Louis Scarcella finally tells his story. And so does Derek Hamilton. Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.